Happy New Year. This is our first All Radius Sunday of 2022. If you're new at Radius, and I imagine uh, a good number of you are, this is uh, something we do about 10 times a year. It's a way that we hold our six churches together, and so we all get together via video and, and talk about a subject the same way uh, with the very same words. So uh, we use video to get that done. We get together three other times a year. Uh, we get together at Advent. We get together on Good Friday, and uh, we get together on what we're going to call a, a, a go day or a go celebration, or maybe a go party. We, uh, we do that, we, we kind of, we really enjoy each other, and yet we're in these different parts of the Midlands, and we really want to get our work done in those areas, but it's encouraging we get to be together and see what each other's doing. So that's what today is. This is uh, All Radius Sunday, so welcome. What I'd love to do is, is pray, and then uh, really get into what we like to talk about. Jesus, we, uh, we want to celebrate you. Uh, Christmas time is a time where we uh, are just thanking you for becoming a man. And as we come into the new year, a lot of us, we, we at least take a minute to evaluate where we are personally. And uh, many of us look in the mirror and ask where we are with our walk with you. And so even as we talk today, pray that you would, would meet us in these moments and help us evaluate ourselves in a really healthy manner. I got some stuff on this page, Lord, that... Uh, seems important to me, but I trust you with the words, and I really want you to communicate what you want to communicate. Lord, if people need to wander off in their mind while I'm talking, and, and you want to teach them something completely separate from what I'm talking about, that's what we want, Lord. We want you to move. We trust your spirit, uh, and we're thankful for him. We pray in Jesus' great name. Amen. So for some of you that are new, coming to a church named Radius might be a little weird. So I thought today, one of the very first Sundays of the year, we just explained that name. We named the church Radius at the very beginning because, well, quite honestly, many times in life I saw churches not be responsible for their neighbors. And that was true of Cheryl and I in our younger years. And as we grew in Christ, we began to feel this uh, compulsion to know our literal neighbors in our neighborhood. And so that started with Cheryl baking banana bread and sharing it with neighbors. And then eventually Cheryl does this way better than me. She knows every neighbor's name. And then she would get to know their children's name. And she would pray for them in our home. Then I started working that out at the baseball field and the basketball gyms and meeting peoples and developing a radius, a group of people that I knew and wanted to love. The Bible teaches us that we're supposed to love our neighbors as ourselves. And so we named this thing Radius because we wanted individuals, the partners of the church, to go home, live in their home, and know and love their radius, their neighbors, the people at the ball field, the people on their jobs. And so that's what we've all partnered together to do. Now, we certainly do that uh, in at a larger scale, too. Each of our churches is in a particular geography, and we, are, we like to be responsible for that radius. We just went through a, our, our year-end Give Hope thing, which really we enjoy doing so we can be responsible for that radius. Super important for us that we get out of our comfort zone and go to our neighbors. There's a really cool passage in the Bible it is, I mean, you could argue it's the last words of Jesus because it's the very last verses in the book of the Bible called Matthew. 
Matthew is one of four gospels, and another word for gospel is good news. So Matthew unpacks this good news about Jesus. First, that he was born, right? And that he came as a savior for his people. And then he demonstrated his love for us on the cross toward the end of Matthew. And then he's buried. He rises from the grave. He's resurrected. And then we see him eventually uh, at the very end make this crazy statement to his disciples before the next book, Acts, where he ascends into heaven. And here's what he said, his last statement. We call it the Great Commission. It's the last thing he said to us, to them and us through them. Like, this is what I want you to do. Acts, uh, I mean, uh, Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. <laughs> That's a lot of authority. I've been given all authority. Therefore, you, me and you, these disciples that he's speaking to in person in Matthew, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that I've given you. And be sure of this, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. You feel that authority that Jesus said? I've been given all authority on heaven and earth, verse 18. And then he says, it's like, therefore, you go. For us at Radius, that word go has always been important. That's why we're maybe dreaming about, I guess, at the end of the summer, having what we want to call a go party. That word go, uh, I love the way it comes out of this passage because it's all based on authority that comes from Christ. It's not based on selling anything that we have. It's based on his power and his already done work. Man, recently I just bought a 2013 Honda Civic Hybrid. I didn't know it was a hybrid. When I showed up to look at it, I was trying to buy it for one of my sons to go back to college. The price was right. It had 220,000 miles on it, so it had to be right. It had 220,000 miles on it. Price was right, and I drove it around the neighborhood with this guy who was selling it to me. And I've never driven a hybrid, so I know Maloney at Centerville. You, I know you're rolling your eyes right now. Stop rolling your eyes. I did buy a hybrid. I'm, I'm driving in it, like when I turned it on, it's making noise. I'm trying to, like, what, what's going on? And I put, when I put it into gear, it still didn't make any noise, and it started rolling in reverse, which is kind of crazy. The battery power was moving it at a very slow speed. And then when I gave it gas, uh, you hear the motor come on, and, and it would have more power. So we're driving down the road. It's got this little button on the steering wheel. I push the button on the steering wheel, and up on the screen, it would have this, like, uh, this icon representing gas. It was like a gas tank. And then on the other side, it had like a battery, and it had little bars in the battery. You know what I'm talking about. So when you give it gas on the one side, you could see it filling the battery on the right side. And then when you let off the gas, then the gas side would, like, decrease, and the battery would just run on its own. I couldn't help but think of that purchase of car when I read this passage, thinking about me going, which I've led my family to go for a while, and many of you guys have as well, me going to my neighbors uh, really as an empty vessel. Like when you look at me, this is like an empty battery. And yet when I was saved and God trusted me with the Holy Spirit, now I got this like gas engine inside of me. And when I depend and when I yield to the power of that gas engine, one, I mean, I could go pretty fast, almost as fast as a Honda Hybrid, right? Like, like I go pretty fast, but then it, it sustains me too. Like it fills this battery. I'm not sure exactly how that works, but it seems like over the course of lifetime, I can build it in myself this battery life that, that, that extends and I can go to my neighbors and I have 
this overflow of energy and resources that I want to give to them. It's exactly why we name this thing Radius. We want to have God pour into us. We want to go in his authority, which gives us really none of our own, and share the good news about Jesus. What does he say? And he says, go make disciples. Another way to talk about a disciple, maybe a word you understand a little bit better than disciple, helps me a little bit, is learners. I'm going to go make learners. <laughs> One of the uh, interesting things for most of us that have trusted Jesus, there's this question like, what gives me authority to tell somebody else they need to follow Jesus? Well, first of all, you have this authority from Christ that he's already mentioned. But sometimes I think when we hear the word learner, you're like, I'm barely a learner myself. I don't know enough. How could I tell somebody else what I don't even know myself? There's an old classic movie uh, that many of you have watched. I only watched it once. It wasn't a classic to me. Forgive me. Forrest Gump, right? But there's this one scene that I love. There's a battle raging, and some guys get wounded, and Forrest finds his way out of the battle to a place of peace, out by a, a little body of water. I don't remember exactly. But, uh, and then he realized that he's found his way out of the danger zone, and he decides to go back in to get his buddy Bubba, right? His best good friend or something like that. He goes back in to find Bubba, and on his way back in to get Bubba, he finds somebody else, and he picks him up, and he carries him all the way back out to this place of safety, and then he, he makes just multiple trips until he finds Bubba at the end, which is a really sad scene. You can see it for yourself. But uh, I couldn't help but think, man, you know, all Forrest knew was how to get out of the danger. That's all he knew, and so he shared it with all these other men that were in danger. He worked his way back, and he showed them the way out. In some cases, he carried them. In some cases, he kind of guided them, but he helped them all find their way back out to peace. And in our case, the only peace offered is from the Prince of Peace, Jesus. And some of us don't know a whole lot. Matter of fact, some of y'all that are brand new Christians, you're the best at walking somebody else out of their lostness. That's what we're about here at Radius. We want to take what we've been given because we didn't earn it, and we want to pass it on to others. We make disciples. We make learners. And then once they find their way out, that simple truth, then there's more truths to be learned. The passage says, go, make disciples, baptizing. So uh, at Radius last year, we baptized over 80 people between the six campuses, which is really cool. Some amazing stories that maybe you heard at your campus when somebody would tell the story of how they came to Jesus. The church has been doing that for 2,000 years. So when we baptize somebody, we're connected to all those years of history of church. And it's really like this moment where the person uh, at your church, at Radius Saluda, that comes up out of the water, right? When they come up out of the water, they're making the statement that they've identified with Jesus. They've identified with his death, burial, and resurrection. And we celebrate that with him. But the other thing he or she's doing is they're showing that they're a part of the body of Christ, a part of the church. They've joined this thing. They're committed to this thing based on God's work in them and based on their public proclamation that these are their people. It's this amazing statement that has been going on for years. As a matter of fact, for some of y'all that have yet to be baptized or yet to partner at Radius, today's the day. Go grab your campus pastor and say, man, I, I believe in where we're going. I've been saved. And if you need to be baptized, tell me you need to be baptized. And if if you need to join, like make a public commitment together. And the early church could not imagine just going to church. 
They were the church. They were committed to the church. They partnered with its cause. You don't have to read far to figure out they're pretty jacked up too. But they were baptized into the body. And then it says in the passage that uh, they were to teach these new disciples to obey the commands. It's been pretty fun to watch our different campus pastors learn how to teach. Some of them hadn't taught a lot, and they're growing in their ability to teach. It's really, really fun to see that happen because we believe that if we walk through the Word, if you haven't been with us often, uh, this, this Sunday's a little different because we usually spend, we just work through a passage in the Bible. Next week, we'll go back to Ephesians, and we'll work through it. And your campus pastors are walking you through the Bible so that we can do exactly what this passage says, to teach. Now, he says to teach for what purpose? I think it's really important when you see that because it can become just academic. The academic part has value, but what you're learning is supposed to produce obedience or movement in a line with our king. So it's almost more like an apprenticeship where you're watching, listening, but then practicing what you're hearing and seeing, which is uh, ah, it's a great gift to our church when somebody stands up either publicly or at a local restaurant and sits across the table and teaches the Bible, not only with words, but with their life, and then with the ability for you to watch them live it out. That's what we're all about. That's what the church has been about for 2,000 years. And I think what I, I would love for you to consider is, as Jesus makes this statement to the disciples, this is what I want you to do. This is a great commission. You flip the page, really, because you got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Gospels, the good news, is one period of time, all the periods of time where Jesus is walking the earth. And you flip the page to Acts chapter 1. Acts has got a, a bunch of chapters, and the whole way through, these apostles that Jesus spoke to reproduce what he's told in them to new disciples. And you know what their strategy is? to uh, make disciples, teach God's word, and baptize. Their, their strategy is to plant churches. They start churches all over the world. Peter starts churches. Paul, the latter part of Acts, he's traveling the planet, starting churches. It's this, it's this really amazing story of them planting these groups of disciples in towns and those groups of disciples making more disciples and then eventually making more churches. They reproduce the churches which for most of us that grew up in church in the South, we just thought, never seen that. It doesn't make any sense, but that's how our church got there. Hey, if you're wondering how we're going to make a dent in, in our towns uh, for the case of Christ so that people will believe this strategy of planting churches, the stats are staggering. It is the most efficient and most uh, productive way of evangelizing our towns, bar none. You can invite Billy Graham to town. Matter of fact, Billy Graham, Bill Bright, who started Campus Crusade, they both say, if I had to do it over, I'd probably plant churches. They both did their job. <laughs> they did more than most of us could ever Im imagine. But what happens when you plant a church is the church stays for its lifetime. And over the course of its lifetime, it just keeps churning. And if it's healthy, it produces fruit. And folks believe over the course of time. Next Sunday, we'll get back to the book of Ephesians. It's a letter written to the church at Ephesus, right? Ephesus is a town just like our town, Lexington or Saluda or Irma or wherever you are right now. It's this book written to this town of Ephesus from an apostle who came to their town. He made some disciples. He planted that church in Ephesus. And then he began to train folks to go to the other towns to plant churches themselves. Really what we want to be here at Radiance. 
It's really how we want to live the rest of our years, however long they are. So today I thought I'd do a little drawing, which is making a bunch of my staff really nervous. And I'm zero tech, so you know I'm not going to do that on some kind of screen. So I got this handy-dandy piece of paper. I don't know if you know Andy Ott. He was so nervous about this, he wanted to pre-draw the circles because he didn't trust me. Like He, he thought it was going to be so sloppy, it was going to be embarrassing. But at least I got it on a piece of paper, which is good. And I, I just want to walk you through. It's a pretty cool picture of the church in the United States. Most of y'all grew up in one of these types of churches, and hopefully it'll uh, make sense as, you go, as we go through it. First, first group of churches, we'll call that just group number one. Uh, man, they've seen some better days, right? So, so they're actually a church where if we were going to use a, a symbol, we'd use the subtraction symbol, and they're actually in decline. I don't know if you can read this. My board's moving a little bit. They're in decline. One of the uh, things that I want to be really clear about is that, man, just because a church is in decline doesn't mean it's a bad place. It just simply means that it's going the other way. From an attendance standpoint, oftentimes there's financial issues, and a lot of times there's a little bit of a, uh, a discouragement among that body. But, man, a lot of these places, back in the day, they were getting it done. So we celebrate the churches in decline for what they've done in the past. But a lot of America right now, when you think about the church, churches in your town, the churches in decline. Uh, one of the great stories that we've been able to witness is Southside Baptist Church, right? They have over 100 years history of making good fruit. I think I heard they started in 1897. Pretty sure, Mr. Billy, you weren't there, 1897. But, but in 1897, they started, somebody planted that seed, and for over 100 years, it produced fruit right, right downtown Columbia on the south side. And in the recent years, as you guys know the story, even though that church was in decline, right, it really at, at, at the end, struggling to stay alive, they were willing, and, and there's like this amazing testimony of humility by those members of that church that trusted us with the facility. They've trusted us by continuing to, to attend right now downtown at Radius uh, Southside, and that thing has begun to produce fruit again. It, it's this cool thing. We say decline, it's not like this real negative thing. It's a place that was planted at one point. It grew, it produced fruit, and then presently it's in decline. The second circle represents groups of churches that are growing, so we'll call it adding. Uh, and uh, we'll put a little two in here. We'll put a little three in here. So this circle is a group of people that are adding, and, and kind of if this group is in decline, then this group is growing, right? So, so people are coming, which creates this kind of interior circle, and I think what we call this is just surviving. I'll write it up at the top. Surviving. So when the statisticians have their fun, the group in this circle, they're not really adding or they'll add a few and lose a few. And it's not just about people. It's about resources and it's about uh, disciple making. It's about a variety of things. So you got, when you're looking at America, you got churches that are declining, surviving, and adding. We get kind of excited when we get onto this side of the page because this group over here, if we were going to use a, this be adding, I'll make my little symbol. This side be multiplying. Multiplying. This group of folks, like, <laughs> they are so set on uh, the next thing 
that they kind of view every, every member at their church as uh, someone who's about to go somewhere else. That's, that's kind of how they view it. And so there's this group right in between that catches a little adding, like they're adding folks, it's growing, but they're also sending, right? So, so this group, we call it reproducing. I know my wife is getting nervous about my spelling right now, but I'm going to do it anyway. Reproducing, this group number four and number five. So you got these five types of churches in America. And most of us came from this, this first section right here, right? Like we, we grew up in a church that now is in decline or, or, or maybe it's surviving. Some of the most famous preachers in America, they're in the adding. They've got the best podcast. You can watch them on TV. People come to their churches. They have massive buildings. That's, that's kind of the adding group. And then you got these reproducing and multiplying churches. Here's, here's the shocker when I first saw that, this. You draw a little line right through here and take just one and two. 80% of American churches fit in category one or two. You know how many churches in America right now? I'm sure you don't. I, I read about it, so I know. 350,000. 350,000 churches in America. So eight out of ten of them are either in decline or they're just surviving. They're staying level. You know how many people go to church in America, like each of those 350,000? 76 is the number right now. The average attendance at a church in America is 76. For those of y'all that are mathematicians, you're loving this. For those of y'all that are not, you're freaking out. I'm like blowing your mind right now and you can't track. But if you, if you look at this number, there's 350,000 churches where have the average attendance of 76. Here's the number we would need the average attendance to be if every person in America went to church on a Sunday. We need, we need each, that average to be 953. So just to do the math for you real quick, about 8% of Americans go to church on, uh, on a given Sunday. So today, 8% of Americans are at church today. And you're like, Oh, there's a church on every corner. That's not true. You could do the math. Well, in South, it's a little higher than that, but it's not 20%. It's not 20%. As a matter of fact, I had a friend that did the math in Greenville, and it was 18% in Greenville. I imagine we're less than that in our area. So you got these churches, which doesn't necessarily mean that you've been transformed or saved, but 80% of the churches in America, of the 350,000, they're in decline or they're just surviving. What do you think the percentage is on the adding? You probably know of a couple of churches where they're growing rapidly and, and uh, they seem to keep just adding people. That number is 16%. So you write that up on the board. That's 16% of the churches in America. They're adding, they're growing, um, and oftentimes have all kind of cool things going on. And then we get to this part. I don't know about you, but I, I, maybe you're excited like I was when I was reading it. And I actually, they gave me this test to look at it online to see what kind of church we were. And I was really thinking we were going to be a multiplying church because certainly the way we went, bro, it was, this was 0% of the churches in America are multiplying churches. Even for the work we've done in the last years, these churches, the multiplying churches, they don't need money to multiply. Their people just want to go. We, spend, we send some money every year to a church in Africa. And uh, when I talk to David Kaya, who leads Empower One, we send this money for them to plant churches. I, I wanted to know how much he play, pay, paid his church planters. He's like, we don't pay them. Why would we pay them? I'm like, because they need to, like, pay the bills. He says, no, no, we train them. 
And they're excited to go plant churches. And so they multiply at this rapid rate. And they're literally, they cannot come up with one story in the United States of a church doing that. So most of us, if we're serious about this, fit in this reproducing part. And I imagine my drawing looks terrible right now, but 4% of the churches in America fit in this fourth category, as would Radius Church. I think uh, my favorite part when I see somebody uh, draw this, and I got this from a, a group called Exponential, they write a word at the bottom of each of these circles. If you're in category one, you say this, you say, please stay. And if you've been a part of one of these churches in one or two, you can feel that. It's like this, uh, I don't, attitude of scarcity. It's, it's like uh, if you lived in the Great Depression, which a few of our folks w- walk through, you realize how you live if you don't have anything. And these churches oftentimes operate, they say, please stay, please stay, don't, don't go. And you, you can feel that as they talk. If you're in the middle uh, and you're in addition type churches, they say this little phrase, Please come. You hear that from us at times. Matter of fact, right now at the beginning of the year, we'd love for you to come back next week. Or try us three or four or five Sundays just to see if this is a place you fit. These growing churches are say, please come. But what we really want to move is to this category. And what, what do they say? It's our word again. Please go. So through the years here at Radius, what we've seen is folks come. And they become a part of our body. And if you grow in Christ and you become a disciple, a learner, then there eventually becomes this excitement about learning and you have to go. Or you actually are willing to send somebody else that has to go. We put this pressure on our groups. We have some amazing small groups at Radius. And we've been putting this pressure on them to multiply, right? To multiply, to reproduce. And it stresses everybody because they're like, I just got to know these are my best friends. I've never had this kind of life before. Well, we we want to maintain this pressure on you. Forgive me for doing it again. That eventually you got to go. Because that good news that you have and you enjoy the relationships around has to be shared with others. Here's what happens. This, this side, uh, one and two, they're dreaming about coming this way often. Some way we got to add some folks. But on the flip side, everybody over here on four and five, there's this pull back to the middle that causes us uh, to just want to go back. It's a little easy just to add, easier just to add. It's a lot harder when we're going to. Add some and send some and add some and send some. Oh, I could not be more proud if you're at Radius Lexington this morning of the 18 years of history that you have and the emptying out of the room to go somewhere else and then this responsibility to refill the room. We're in that process right now, right? Like a lot of folks have gone different places. Our room's not as full as it was once. It gives us the opportunity to share our faith with our neighbors and invite them to be part of our body and then again come to this point where we can reproduce. I was telling uh, Kim Lyle and her staff about it. I told her, man, the best illustration would be if I brought up on stage some prenatal vitamins. So uh, another lady on our staff that just had a baby, she delivered them. These are like, these are like gummy prenatal vitamins. And I told Kim that I was going to eat one on stage. And she's like, you cannot do that. I'm like, Kim. If I eat this, it says that, like, for the babies, it helps their brain function. Like, it's going to help my brain function. Some of these rascals help your hair grow. I definitely, I definitely need that. But she's like, you cannot do that. You're going, oh, it's not going to make me pregnant if I eat it, right? Like, so I tried to, we, we had this argument. It was a pretty funny argument. 
this is what we're hoping. Radius Lexington, like we've, you're a mama of five children. And it's put stress on you. And it is uh, something that we are super proud of. And so, so now we're hoping that you get healthy again, start taking your prenatal vitamins. I won't do it, Kim. Start taking your prenatal vitamins. And again, we want to reproduce. And for the rest of our churches, our hope is that you're going to do the same. We're literally dreaming that in the coming days, each of our churches will reproduce another. Hey, man, downtown, Brady Southside is getting it if you don't know it. But we're praying for, for a young leader to come and really get after the campus, right? Maybe we call it uh, Radius Carolina. Maybe it's just a college ministry from Radius. We don't know exactly how we want to do it, but we want to get it. We want to get after that. We want to start leveraging our resources and our time. We got our eyes open. You might be sitting in one of our bodies right now. We got to go. There's too many people down there that need to hear the good news about Jesus. There's a growing Hispanic population. Saluda certainly knows about it. And and, uh, over here in the white and old community, this growing Spanish-speaking population, we need a Spanish pastor. You know one. You you have this dream of being one. Hey, reach out to us because we feel this responsibility. When we talk about a radius, it's our responsibility to take the good news and plant a church in the community where folks are so that they can interact with Jesus. We want to be in this category, reproducing, a reproducing church. Let me just remind you, I think what happens oftentimes when you talk about church planning is people immediately go, bro, there are churches everywhere. Remember the stats? Eight out of ten are in decline or they're just surviving. Eight out of ten churches in America. It's 350,000 churches in America. I'll give you another stat. Cheryl, I'm sorry, I'm going to write some more. 7,000 churches will close this year. 7,000. They're going to close this year. Uh, Let me see if I can remember my math. 2,600 will be planted and survive. My mathematicians, you got it. 4,400 churches. Negative. So out of the 350,000, we're going to lose 4,400 this year. You know how long it takes 4,400 uh, 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 decline a year to get to zero, 80 years. So if we, we lost 4,400 churches a year out of 350,000 in 80 years, there'd be no churches. That's a little dramatic. I get it. I get it. But it happened in Europe, right? 1950 to 1975. It happened in 25 years. They went from 54% church attendance to 4%. It happened like that. And it's on us. So, hey, what do we do? We're just one church in one area. And we want to set our sights on loving our neighbors one at a time. That's why we use this little phrase, you times two. We want to love one neighbor one at a time. And then we want each of these six churches to reproduce. Hey, there will come a time for us to die too. We'll be in this category someday. One day, if the Lord doesn't return, radius will die. I've been a part of multiple little churches that I tried to get started, and it just didn't work, and we didn't make it. It's, it's all right, like we, we, but we want to keep efforting because our town needs to hear the good news about Jesus. I uh, drove my, my little uh, Honda Civic hybrid up to see my family in Anderson. I'm driving it back, trying to test drive it, make sure it works for, for JT to take it to college, and on my way home, and it rained, roads really slick, and 
tires on it aren't that great, so I'm in the middle lane of three, just enjoying my ride, and this Mustang pulls up beside me. I don't know, 2005-ish. Uh, uh, I don't know which one is the fast one, but it must have been the fast one. It had, uh, like, glass packs, if that's what you still use. And it was so loud. And the dude in the passenger seat, he was rocking out. You can picture who he is. Like, he's rocking out with, it wasn't great rhythm, but he's rocking out with two fingers at a time. He's rocking out like this, uh, driving his Mustang. And so he pulls up ahead of me. And I, let me just be sure. I'm from Anderson. So when the dude's going like this and he looks over at me like he's cool, I'm in my Honda Civic. I make eye contact. I look straight at him. And I, I, I want to say 42 miles to the gallon. That's what I want to say to him. Like, I'm, I'm making eye. It was, it was awesome. He pulls up a little ahead, and there's a box truck in front of him. And he uh, slows down beside the box truck to irritate the pickup truck behind him. And then he guns it to leave the pickup truck. And guess what happens? I'm going, don't do it. Don't do it. He guns it in the road slick, and his little Mustang starts to, to weave a little bit. I'm like, bro, let off the gas. You just hear the car scream, wah. <laughs> he hits the gas. It starts going back and forth, and then the next thing you know, he loses it. Cuts in front of the box truck. There was nothing on the inside lane, praise the Lord, and he hits this, like, guardrail over on the side with the front of his car. It felt like NASCAR. I'm in a Honda Civic hybrid feeling like NASCAR. He spins off that thing back into traffic and comes, the plastic coming off of his car hits the side of my Honda Civic. And I'm just going, I just keep going. It felt like NASCAR. Like, I better keep going. I'm going to get run over. I couldn't get back to check on him. I think he's fine. But it was this crazy moment where a guy had all kind of power. He had no idea how to use it. He had no idea how to use it. And you and I, we're sitting on that. I don't know if you know what's been happening at Radius in the, in the last six months. It's been crazy. We're sitting on this power. It's been given to us by God. He's given us influence in our towns, and we need to know how to use it. I, I'd love to have that, that Mustang with all that power and know how to use its power to replenish a battery inside of us so that we can move forward. Man, if you haven't heard, we just did Give Hope together. We want to take care of the impoverished folks uh, in our communities, through our partners that are in the communities, and you and I, we put our money in the box. You, you're gonna want to clap, so I'll pause. Man, the number as as of the time I'm speaking right now, I wrote it down was three forty three nine twenty nine and thirty three cents. That's three hundred forty three thousand dollars that you and I, out of our out of our bank accounts, put into a pot. Because we want to see God do work in those that have need, but we also want to build trust so that people can hear the gospel. But back in the day, I, I was talking to Andy a little bit ago, and Andy remembers when at Radius Lexington, that's way more than our total budget. Look what God's done by planting that seed way back then, being generous. And then it's multiplied and multiplied and reproduced. And now we have this opportunity. Who knows, by 2024, that number might be a million dollars. We just crossed a million dollars of being generous with Give Hope for the first time, like putting all of our years in the past together with that 343. 2024, maybe we get together. We pool our money. Who knows what the Lord will do. Hey, we're getting together on Wednesday night, the 12th. If you're a partner, I'd really like for you to be there. We're going to simply pray. We're going to pray that as we go into 2022, that the Lord would continue to make a, us a reproducing church. We'll pray specifically for our families. 
We use this little thing we call dominoes for the people in our radius that we love, that we want to believe. We'll pray for them by name. Uh, we're going to pray for six new church planters because we're praying that the Lord will provide them by 2024. Some of you right now, while I'm talking, need to ask the question, is God calling me? Is God pressuring me to be the next church planter? Some of you are in a small group right now, and you'll need to be asking, is God pressuring me to become the next group leader? Do I need to leave my wonderful group and go start the next one as we go forward? There's just this pressure that we want on us from the Holy Spirit based on the Scriptures to keep going. The Midlands needs us. They need us to take Jesus to them. Some of y'all get together and you'll pray about maybe this church at, on Sunday night at downtown at Radius Southside. We're wondering if we want to plant one in Pillion. We're asking a question about Batesburg. We got this question, Trey brought it up the other day about Newberry. Where are we supposed to go next? We want to be faithful. White Knoll's got a new pastor starting uh, next Sunday. Maybe you know somebody that needs to go to Radius White Knoll and you need to text them right now and you want to connect them to that community. Radius Irmo needs to get up to 100 folks just so it'll be sustainable. It's at 50 right now. Maybe you live over there and you need to start going over there. I don't know. It's a joy to do this with you. When we saw them numbers on Give Hope, there's like this uh, Andrea Crick who's been working with that and done an amazing jobs. like, I don't remember how many exclamation points you put on that number. It's just blowing our minds that what we could do together if we take the Great Commission and we walk it out based on the great authority of Jesus. I'll read you the last verse and then we'll pray. This is what Jesus said as he closed it. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you and what? And be sure of this, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Win, lose, draw, he ain't leaving us. He's staying with us, and we walk in his power. We look forward to him producing fruit through our simple lives. Thanks for doing this with us. We love y'all. Let me pray. Lord, I, I feel like I was really loud because I'm excited about what you've done recently kind of humbled by that crazy amount of money that we're about to share with folks in need in our community. Thank you for putting it in our checking account so we could pull it together. Now we trust you as we vet where it goes that we'll do that well and it'll multiply both good for those in need but also a trust for the good news about you, Jesus. I find myself really excited about you providing just the right leader to reach students at Carolina, Lord, pray, we're praying for that person even now. I, I met a great young Hispanic leader the other day. I, I, I'm, I'm praying, Lord, that you would uh, send us one for, for the communities around here that would love to have a leader that was a Spanish speaker. And Lord, we're thrilled. Been out to Centerville lately, and it's just blowing up. When we look at that middle, number three, it's just, it's just growing like crazy. And we're thankful for people coming. And even still, Lord, we're, we're excited about some of our young leaders and wonder who's going to go next. Lord, we uh, need your help to accomplish your great commission. We don't want to do it on our terms where we're wrong. Please hold us accountable. We want to do it right. But we trust you as we go forward to do this under your power. Help us as we go. 
In your great name, Jesus. Amen.